so much for having me here tonight. Um, uh oh, back it up right there. Okay, thank you, Pastor Logan. Thank you so much for having me. The last time I was in here, I was not near this claustrophobic. So, y'all have added some people in this room. I'm glad it's cold outside, that way, we're not too hot in here. So take your Bibles if you've got them with you. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And I want to kind of start off with giving you a word picture. And the reason I want to give you this word picture is I believe this is what Paul does at the beginning of this chapter, okay? Have you ever seen someone frantically looking for something that they had lost? Yeah, all the time. You're probably thinking your roommate. Well, I want to tell you a quick story of how I've seen this in real life. I was on a mission trip to Bolivia, and we had gotten off of the plane, and we are in the country of Bolivia. And there goes our plane heading back to the United States. And so I'm sitting there, I'm the youth pastor leading the trip, and one of our girls on the trip looks up and says, I think I left my passport on the plane. Yeah, my... Anxiety went through the roof, and I'm like, well, we're going to have to leave you here, I guess. I, I don't know what to tell you, but she was frantically looking everywhere, pouring out clothes, taking her book bag, throwing things all over the place. Tears were flying. Thankfully, one of the stewardess, flight attendants, whatever, found it and brought it to her from the plane before it took off. So we found it. So I don't know if you've seen someone lose something and frantically look for it, or maybe yourself, you have lost something and you frantically look for it. Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe you've been in class for a presentation. I don't know. But for me personally, I had one of these moments this past summer. I was performing a wedding because, you know, pastors at times, we perform weddings. I get to the ceremony. Ten minutes before the wedding is supposed to start, I cannot find my tablet where I have the whole ceremony on my tablet. I begin tearing everything out of my car. I take the car seat out. I have two kids, and it just gets worse when you have kids because things could be anywhere. So I take it out. I find a rabbit, put it back. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm looking all in my car. I'm walking the church. I'm calling my wife going, check, check where the dog is. Where, where's my tablet? I left it on top of my car. And it flew off into the road. And I found it on the road. And guess what happened to the tablet? It is no more. That's why I have a notebook. Because I'm not, I can't buy one yet. Maybe for Christmas. I don't know. But the tablet was destroyed. And so what I did for the wedding ceremony is I took a notebook and I hid my phone. And I made it look very spiritual, but the whole time I'm squinting to read my phone. But thankfully, it didn't make any pictures. So we're good. The reason I tell you these stories, I know that you have been searching for something in your room, in your car. Maybe it was your favorite outfit that you wanted to wear. Maybe it was some money that you misplaced. Maybe it was your debit card, credit card, your phone. Can I get a witness? And I want you to take, and Paul wants us to take that same intensity of looking for something that is lost when it comes to the new life that Jesus offers us. I want you to know the title for tonight's sermon is 
Jesus gives new life. I always love to give people a truth to take home, especially when I'm preaching to next-gen ministries, whether student ministry or college ministry. Our truth today that you need to take home is that Jesus gives new life. So that is our truth. Now, what's our goal? I hate wasting time. I like to know, like, I like to have fun, but fun with a purpose. Like some of you people, you just like to have fun. You're like out there, you know, oh, look at the trees. They're changing colors. That's not fun to me. There's no purpose in looking at those trees. I love competitive things. Why? Because there's a purpose. We can win. And so tonight there is a purpose. I know you just wanted to come here and look at your friends and look at these beautiful lights. But tonight we have a goal and we have a purpose. Here's our goal for us tonight. I want you to to hear it. My goal for us is to find and put on the new life we have in Christ. So the truth is that Jesus gives us new life, but the goal for us at the end of this is to find that new life and to put it on. And so that's why I tell you these stories of the the verbiage here that Paul uses is like someone who had lost something and they're seeking to find it. We're bringing that intensity to the passage of Scripture tonight. So here's my question for us. How do we find new life? How do we find new life and how do we put on the new life? And what does it mean for me and you? I can tell you how to find it. I can tell you how to put it on. But what's some application? It's great if I can tell you some good things that you can tweet out. I don't even know if you have Twitter. Maybe you TikTok it. I don't know. Y'all are so, so different than I am. And that's okay because you're a lot cooler and a lot better than me. These TikTok days, I'm not even going down that route. Let's stick to it. Okay, we are going to find this new life, and we're going to put it on. But first, I want to give you some context leading up to chapter 3. I think you are walking through the book of Colossians, so you should have heard chapter 2 preached on. But Paul addresses a few things. I just wrote them down to summarize, to bring us into what Paul's about to teach us. So in the previous chapter, he tells us and he addresses legalism in the fleshly mind. People were, seeing, were saying that Christ wasn't enough, that spirituality and new life was found when you added more rules, more knowledge, and more experiences. So Paul addresses in the previous chapter, people were saying in this church, hey, Christ isn't enough. And new life and spirituality can be found in these rules that you live out. You can eat this and you can't eat that. You can drink this and you can't drink that. Or you can have a spiritual experience. Or you can have some more knowledge. And that's how you find this new life. And Paul says, no, 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 not so fast. Look what he says in in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. So I want us to understand That new life is only found in Jesus. Remember our truth is that Jesus gives us new life. But hear this truth also. New life is only. This is an exclusive clause. It is only found in Jesus. I love asking questions because they make us think. And they make us wrestle with stuff. Tonight, what are you leaning on And what are you betting on to bring you new life? Is it something outside of Jesus? What are you leaning on to bring you new life? Is it that you're religious? 
and you go to church and do good things? Is it your group of friends? Is it your career? Is it the money you have? Is it the parties you go to? Is it the pleasure that you feel, the experiences that you have? What are you leaning on to bring you new life? Because Paul tells us, if then, he's clarifying it for us. Those who have been raised with Christ, what does that mean? Those people who have been saved. How do I know that it's the people that have been saved? He says, those who have been raised with Christ. So in the New Testament, when you got saved, you then were baptized. And he gave a picture that you died with Christ and you were brought back to new life. And so he's saying, those of you who have been raised with Christ, just as Christ has been raised from the dead, so you, once you believed and were saved, you were raised to new life. And that's what he says, that new life is only found in Christ. And here's what Paul wants us to do. If you are a believer in this room, and that's kind of church lingo, so let me break that down for you. If you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, okay, if tonight you would answer in your heart, hey, I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did, I've repented of my sin, and I follow him. Paul is talking to you, and this is what he wants for you. He wants to align your earthly practice to your heavenly position. That's what Paul wants to do. He wants to align your earthly practice in your life to your heavenly position. Because what he's talking about is a lot of the believers, they have a heavenly position, but they haven't aligned their earthly life. I always say this, and you've probably heard me say this if you've been around me for any sermon. If Christ has your eternal life, then he also has your earthly life. If he doesn't have your earthly life, I doubt he has your eternal life. That's not to scare anyone. That's not like a shock. I'm just saying what scripture calls us to do is to align our earthly practices with the heavenly position that Christ has given us. So therefore, if new life is found in Christ, how do we find it and put it on? If Christ is actually where our life is, what does that mean for you and for me? Well, first, I, wanna, I want you to see if you are in Christ, and if you're the note-taking type, just write it down. They're not going to be on the screen, so this is just me and you. We're zoning in. If you are in Christ, you have a new motivation. In your new life with Christ, you have a new motivation. Look what Paul says in verses 1 and 2. He says, if you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. So back to that first verse, he says, seek the things that are above. This speaks to a new motivation. Seek the things that are above. This is in reference in the words used here. It means your heart your desires, your motivation. What is your motivation in life? Paul tells us, if you know Jesus, what motivates you? What gets your heart going? Because he's talking about two parts of the person that we are. He says, seek the things that are above. That means your heart, your passions, your motivation, your spirit, whatever you want to call it. And then he says, set your mind. So there's two parts of you that he's talking about and that he's addressing. It's your thoughts and your mind, but also your heart and your motivation. If you want to know if you are seeking the things above, 
do a motivation check. Because when we know Christ, he gives you a new desire and a new motivation. Now, I know us. I know generations are different. I know we have different social medias. But motivations stay the same, usually. Motivations, they just do. You do things for yourself. You're selfish. You're self-willed. You know, you go on dates. You date people. And it, sometimes it's not the right motive. And every decision you can end up making in your life, you can find real quick that it's not about Jesus. And you're not motivated by spiritual things and things that are above. You're, motiva- you're motivated by me, myself, what I want, my desires, my friends. What motivates you? What has your heart? What has your heart tonight? Does Jesus actually have your heart? Does he have your motivations? Next, I want you to see, and I already said it, but not only in our new life do we have a new motivation, but we have a new mind. Here's the note taken type. Write that down. We have a new mind. Look what he says in verse 2. Set your minds on the things that are above. When he says set your mind, that means I'm going to use my thoughts, not only my thoughts, but what I love and what I value. So when we set our mind on something, not only does it consume our thoughts, but it consumes our values. Let me ask you this. What do you value in your life? And if you don't know what you value in your life, look at what you do. Because the direction you set your mind, that's the direction of your steps. So whatever your mind is set on, that's the direction that you're going to start walking. And some of you are like, I don't value anything. I just do me. I just live life. I just float. I just go. I don't know the cool lingo, so sorry. But you just go, and you just float, and you just be there. You know? Never mind. I'm going to stop myself. I have ADD a little bit, so sometimes I have to kill rabbit trails before I go down there. But there are some of us who are like, I don't have values in my life. That is not true. Because when you start to look, if you value sleep, I promise you, you sleep a lot. If you value food, I promise you eat a lot. If you value your girlfriend or boyfriend, you start tallying it up. You're like, oh, I'm spending this, I'm spending that. If you value your your career, you're like, I have no friends. I'm focused on this, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen. If you value things, you look around, you have a lot of things. You value social media, I bet you you're an influencer. Or you're trying to be, keep going, you'll get there. There are things that we value in life, and if you want to know what you value, Look where you spend your time, your energy, your thoughts, and your money. So another question, I love questions like I told you. What do you value tonight? What consumes your thoughts? What do you love? What is all over your mind and what is taking your steps? What is calling you to it itself. It's your values, but what do you value? Because all of your steps are heading in the direction that your mind is set on. And I want you to see what Paul's telling us with our heart and with our mind. Set your mind and seek the things that are above, not the things that are on the earth. So let's talk about this. He gives a dichotomy. He gives a comparison here. You've got things that are above And things that are on the earth. Now, when I say set your mind on the things that are above, I'm not talking, and Paul's not talking about the birds, the clouds, the sun, 
Like I could just so see someone going, I'm setting my mind on the things above. And just looking up. I don't like those people. Don't do that. It's weird. But he's not talking about this physical realm when he says that things are on above and actually things that are on the earth, even though the earth does impact the physical realm. When he talks about the earth, I wrote a list out. You're going to see it in some of the passages that we're about to read. But I'm going to read you some of these, then I'm going to kind of translate it for me and for you, if that makes sense. So look what he says in verse 5. He, he gives a list. He describes, put to death the things that are earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Then also in verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. These are the things that he is saying represent earthly things. So I wrote down some stuff for me and for you that might be earthly things that we put our mind to, okay? Here's the list. Money. Some of us might put our mind and set our mind on money, especially your generation and my generation. Gen Z and the millennials, we define happiness and success through money and freedom. That is what we define happiness as. Maybe not you, and you're like, well, that's not how I define it. Well, I'm sorry. They did a poll, and that's what you said. So it's moneyness. It's moneyness. It's money and happiness. So the things of this earth could be money for you. It could be a career for you, like I've already talked about. It could be pleasure for you. It could be happiness. It could be selfishness. It could be experiences. I meet so many people now, they're like, hey, all I want to do in this life is have an incredible experience. I want to travel. I want to take pictures. I want to swim with the sharks. Like, I want to do it all. And that's my sole goal in life. Like, I'm going to take out loans. I don't even care. I don't want to work a nine to five. I just want to fly and be an influence and experience the world. Experiences can be an earthly thing that you set your mind on. A couple other things that we set our mind on. Selfishness, self-will, my way or the highway, and also revenge. Yeah, bitterness, anger. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Some of you, you got some roommates, you got some ex-boyfriend, girlfriends, you got somebody in your life that you want revenge. Someone just said, come on, we need to pray for whoever said that. (laughs) But you want revenge. You're holding bitterness and jealousy. And every time you post something for the world to see, you don't have the world in mind. You have that person in mind. And you say, see, I made it without you. Mm, Look how good I am. I'm surviving. Look, mom and dad, I made it. Where you at? Not talking from experience. I'm just saying. This is what happens. Our minds become set on jealousy, revenge, the revenge tour. But I want you to know, everything that I just mentioned, money, pleasure, career, happiness, my will, experiences, all of these things have an, have an ugly side to them, okay? Because when you devote your life to the earthly things, when you focus on the earthly things, here is the ugly side of the coin that no one tells you about. 
When you focus on money, happiness, pleasure, experiences, revenge, bitterness, jealousy, my way or the highway, what comes with it are problems, stress, worry, anxiety, grief, hurt, pain. For some of us in this room, and please, this is not a blanket statement, okay? Because I know we struggle with things and there are legitimate reasons and I don't ever want to make anyone in here feel guilty or bad if you struggle with something, okay? So do not hear that. But there are some of us that are so consumed with bitterness, hurt, anger, and pain because our mind is set on the things of the earth. And the reason you're not having peace, joy, Love, mercy, grace is because your mind is set on the things of the earth. What comes with the things of the earth, it might be joyful and wonderful for a season. But on the other side of that comes worry, stress, anger, anxiety, grief, hurt, pain. So Paul says, do not focus on the things of this earth. Instead, Focus on the things that are above. And I want you to see, Paul saying, lift your eyes up, children. Come on, look up. And he wants you to see the things that are above is one thing. And that one thing that is above is Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verses 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's where the things are above. He is there. Set your mind and, and look he, where Christ is. Look what it says in the end of verse 1. Seated at the right hand of God. So when you focus on the things that are above, do you know what picture you see? You see Jesus Christ sitting on the throne at the right hand of the Father. And do you know what the right hand of the Father means? It means that he is victorious He's in a position of authority, and he's in a position of power. As Isaiah 6 says, Jesus sits on the throne. No matter how many kings rotate or queens rotate or presidents go through this earthly realm, there is one king who sits on the throne at the right hand of the Father, and he knows you. He knows you by name. He has saved you. You are his child. Not only does he know the day that you were born, he knows the day that you're coming home. You are signed, sealed, and delivered. That is what you see when you look up to Christ. And all the stress, all the worry, all the anxieties of this earth start to fade away. Why do they start to fade away? Look at verses 3 and 4. For you have died. You are D-E-D, dead. You are dead to this world. You are dead to the pleasures. You are dead to this earth. You have died and your life, your new life, who you are, it is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Listen to this, believers, those of you who follow Jesus. No one will ever dethrone Jesus from the throne. This world, the plagues of this world, the sin of this world, the grief of this world, this everything cannot touch 
Jesus. And guess what? If they can't threaten Jesus, then this earth cannot threaten the life you have in Jesus. It can't touch it. And there is a promise. Not only can this earth not touch the life that we have to come, but Jesus be coming back. Look what it says in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We're reminded of the promise that this earthly life is going to be over. That's sad for a second. You're like, oh, yeah, you all going to die one day. I'm going to die one day. I pray it's not today for me and for you. Let's all make it home, but we're going to go home soon. Anyway, what? what? I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> Something just came out. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, at some point, you and I, will we will die. <laughs> and we will go home to Jesus. <laughs> but that is a truth. But here is the truth. It's so good that this life is not all that we have. And what Paul is saying, stop living like this is the only life that you have. There is an eternal life that Jesus holds secure. And I don't know about y'all. I don't know if you struggle with anxiety or stress or worry or a fear. Can I let y'all in a little secret? Some people at work probably don't even know this about me. Maybe they do. They probably do. I am a worrier. I, I stress. You know, for the first time ever in my life last year, Last December, I had what is called an anxiety attack. Didn't even know that was a real thing. And it lasted for like a couple months. I ended up going and seeing one of our counselors that we work with at the church. And it was so good with this biblical counselor to remember, hey, I was trying to take all the burdens of this life and take it on head on. We had moved we had family uh, that we had to take care of. My brother almost died from COVID. We added a second-born child. We launched a campus. Like, all this stuff started weighing on me. And it, it just became unbearable. And the thing that has helped me the most in the last year is setting my eyes on Jesus and remembering that he will carry my burdens. The burden he carries is light. No matter what happens in this earth and in this world, he knows when I'm coming home. And nothing that happens can touch him or the promise of life that I have in the future. I don't know about y'all, but that helps me sleep at night. I'm like, Lord, you know what's going on. I can't control it. Good night. Now, some, some of y'all are like, oh, just let go and let God. You can't do that in every area of your life. If you have heartburn, don't go eat Taco Bell and say, Lord, you know what's going to happen. Funk. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not a good idea. But seek the things that are above. So we have a new motivation with our life. We have a new mind with our life. Now we see that Christ is our life, and our life is hidden with him. So because of these realities now, Paul's going to call us to action. So this is now beginning to put on the new self. The first step is to realize who you are in Christ and your position in Christ. Now we got to start practicing some things to put it on, okay? It doesn't just happen. But I want you to know that you can't put it on yourself. You can't make yourself new. Nothing can make you new but Christ alone. So this is what he tells us to do. Look what it says in verse 5. Therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. That literally means to mutilate. Put it to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. I want you to know that this first section talks about the sins within us. Look at it. It's all within our hearts, our evil, wicked flesh. You have a fleshly body that has fleshly desires. And I meet so many believers that say, hey, I got to put it to death and I'm going to try to do it on my own. Listen, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. There was a point in your life that you were dead in sin, but now you are dead to sin. You have the power to put to death sinful things because of Jesus. And a lot of y'all don't realize that. You're like, well, I'm just stuck in the sin for the rest of my life. No. It is through the grace of God. It is through the power of God that you can put these things to death. And these sins, they wage war in us. And look what he says in verse 6. He says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. I want you to understand this tonight. If you're in this building, i got to hurry up. God's wrath is coming to wipe out all sin. There is no murderer. There is no racist. There is no adulterer. There is no rapist. There is no one that has sinned, and there is no sin that will not be punished. God is storing up a day where his wrath will come. But the good news is those who are in Jesus he took the wrath of God for our sins so that we are now free from sin. And we can put to death the, the fleshly sinful things not only in us, but also the sinful things we do to one another. Look what it says in verse 7. In these you two once walked when you were living in them. You get that word? You two once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. And it talks about relationships with one another. If you have a roommate you don't get along with, buckle up because this is for you. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Don't know why I said it like that. But don't lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices... And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So I'll make some lasting applications, and then hopefully we will be done here. But what Paul says is we are new in Christ, and we have a new life made available to us. And he gives us this another word picture. I left the shirt in the car. It was going to be a great illustration, but oh well. We just got to let go and let God. So the idea here. That Paul is giving us. He says your old life and your old self and your sins are like a dirty old shirt. It's got spit up on it. That don't, that's not relevant to y'all. It's dirty. It smells. It's got stains. It's ripped. But do you know what? You're thinking, oh, get that shirt off. It's gross. But here's the problem. How many of y'all have like comfy clothes that you love? Mm. Can I get an Amen. Amen. I love a good hoodie. I have a hoodie. I call it my Saturday hoodie. And when it gets cold, I sit in this nasty hoodie. I have these shirts, and I love my shirts. I love them so much that when we first got married, my wife said, mm, 
Those are inside the house only shirts. And I'm like, no, I'm wearing them out because I love them. They were comfortable. She threw them away. <laughs> we're still in counseling. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but she threw away my favorite shirts. Here's the reality. These old raggedy shirts that are stained, ripped, and have sin all over them, why do we keep wearing them if they're ugly and old and dirty and gross? It's because they feel good and they're comfortable. Our sin and old life, it feels good to the flesh, and it is comfortable. But what Paul tells us is Jesus has given us a new shirt. You didn't buy the shirt. You didn't knit the shirt. You didn't purchase it. You did not make the new shirt. You could not. But Jesus said, I bought this with my blood. It's free for you to put it on. I have given you this shirt. And this is a picture of the gospel. The gospel is you and I could not fix our sin. You and I could not give us new life. So Jesus died on the cross that all of our sin became on him so that when he died, his righteousness and his purity was given to us. That if we believe in him and trust in him, the wrath of God doesn't, it passes from us and goes to Christ on the cross. So now when we stand before God, our account is clean. Why? Because Jesus was perfect. And he now gives you a clean shirt. That new shirt is called new life. And you can put on this new self. You can put on this new shirt. Here's a question for you, and then we're going to make some applications and be done. How many of you tonight are wearing the old shirt? Don't answer that out loud, please. Don't, don't raise hands. It might get awkward. But how many of you are living in past sins or current sins that you need to put away? How many of you are doing things you shouldn't be doing? How many of you are like, yes, but, but I like that shirt. It feels good. It might smell. It might be stained. Yeah, Paul says, take it off and throw it away. Set it on fire. Put it to death. You're still going to be tempted. And at times, we might catch you wearing the shirt. And we're like, get that shirt off. It's like me and my three-year-old. He, I'm not even going there. But there's times where he takes clothes off and puts them on his head. And I'm like, no, get your underwear off your head. It doesn't go there. Get it off. And there's going to be times where you're going to put the old shirt back on. And Paul says, no, put the new shirt. So how many of you are living in the old self and living in the old shirt? So how can we be practical with this? I wrote down a few ways and then we'll be done. Here's how we can practically put on the new shirt, okay? Spend time with Jesus in his word. So if you want to be practical tonight, if you're like, hey, I want to go put on this new shirt, write these things down. Spend time with Jesus and in his word. Why? It's like a mirror. And it will show you, hey, you got some dirty clothes on. You're not treating people right. You're not loving people. You're not being merciful. You're not being graceful. You're living in sin. Spend time with Jesus and in his word. Second, spend time in prayer. And I'm not talking about prayer when you think you're about to wreck your car or when you're taking a test like, Lord, help me, Jesus. Or when you're going on a first date. No. I'm talking about intentional times of prayer where you say, Lord, reveal to me what I need to root out. Show me how to love, who to love, when to love. Spend time in prayer. Third, go to church. Here's why it's good to go to church. One, it makes time for Jesus in your weekly rhythms. Two, 
Church is a great place because it has multi-generational people. They're not people that look like you and understand your lingo. And do you know what that means? They are different and they will frustrate you. And when you go to church, you have to learn to worship with others. You have to learn how to love others. And you have to learn how to serve others. That is putting on the new self. Because you know what the old self says? No, I'm good. Me and my walk is for me. But Christ says love others. So go to church. Four, find accountability. Find someone to keep you accountable. Guess what? Newsflash. Nobody likes accountability. It makes me mad. I hate it when people call me out. Do you like it? I bet you don't. Nobody likes it. But it's good for you and your life. Now, listen, I'm not telling you to be the accountability person that goes around telling everybody, uh, you're sinning and you're sinning and you're sinning. You will be hated and excommunicated. That is not your call. What I'm telling you to do is find a group of believers. Because when you're with a group of believers, they remind you to set your mind on the things that are above. Find a group. There's a group at North Campus. There's a group at your churches. There's groups here with the college ministry. Find a group of believers. And I'm not talking about a soft group where y'all just get together, sing Kumbaya, and never get into it. I'm talking about like a fight club. Get into a group and say, hey, are you doing something dumb? Don't you do it. I literally, can I just tell a story? I don't even care if we go over. Logan, how much time I got left? Okay, good. So I was in a group one time, and they kept me accountable because when I was in college, I was a dummy. I'm going to tell you something I did when I was in college. Do not repeat it outside this room. And if you go to my church, I never want to hear it again. But I wanted to ask someone out on a date. It was a crush of mine. And I sent a text. I sent a text. I said, don't be dumb. Come get you some. <laughs> yeah. It's a miracle Jesus uses me today. It's a miracle I got married. And my group of friends, <laughs> no questions. I'm getting questions on the front row. But my group of friends said, how is this honoring to the Lord? I'm like, listen, I'm just meaning to go out on a date with me. That's all. They're like, stop it. This is setting a bad cornerstone for if there is a relationship. And it went down in flames. Don't do that. A good group of accountability will say, hey, don't do that. And if you can't find a group, find a group because they'll keep you accountable. But also, do you know what else keeps you accountable? A mentor. Find a mentor in your life. And when I say a mentor, please find an older one. Your friends cannot mentor you. How can you coach someone up on somewhere that, that you've never been? You've got people in your life that are your mentors, and they've never walked the walk. They've never been down the road. I've got a mentor in my life, and he keeps me in check. He's like, Ben, you're out of line. Hey, don't be a hothead. Don't say that. You need to pray about it. There have been times like, I'm going to do this because I'm just frustrated. He's like, hey, take a week and pray about it. Ooh, good, godly wisdom. Find a godly mentor. So find accountability. Five, set standards according to what is above. What do I mean by that? You need to set standards for your life that honor Jesus. Do this now. Because you know what your age group and all of us are terrible at? And I'm just going to be honest. I mean, not to get too personal, but we're just going to be honest here. 
When you're in the heat of the moment on a date in a car by yourself or somewhere by yourself, that's a terrible time to set standards. Because you're thinking, when in doubt, make out. It's like, no, no, no. When in doubt, don't make out. You need to set standards before you get into these environments. You hear what I'm saying? If some of you want to put on the new shirt, you should have standards. Yeah, I'm not going to put myself in, my, in that situation. Why? Because I'm just, I'm not. Like, I know when I need to eat healthy, do you, not, do you know where I do not go and drive past? Two places. Dairy Queen, I do not like McDonald's. Dairy Queen and Krispy Kreme Donuts. Oh, son. You put, you put a dozen donuts from Krispy Kreme, I'm eating the whole box. My face will go numb. I won't fit in any pants for three months. But I don't care. And when I'm trying to get fit, I do not put myself in these situations. You need to have standards. And listen, if you are a couple tonight and you have messed up and you've been wearing the old shirt, listen, it's okay. There's forgiveness in Jesus. Come together and set standards now. And find someone that's going to hold you accountable to that. I don't want to cause a bunch of fights tonight. Because listen, I promise you there's a couple in here that right now you're feeling guilty and you're going to fight after this. That's not what I'm wanting. I'm wanting you to repent and put on the new self and come together and make a plan. And if one of you don't want to make a plan, then he ain't your man, okay? So get out. (laughs) Set standards. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Last two. Then we'll be done. We'll be done. Next. Give money away. Yeah. Yeah. When I say give money away, like don't sell everything and just throw money out the window. Be generous with your life. Listen, money can so easily grab our hearts. And if you don't build the discipline now to give money away, whether it's to give it to your church, give it to charity, whatever, it will have a grip on your heart. And why are you saying, well, Pastor Ben, why give it away? Because it teaches your heart not to love it. It teaches your heart that it's not your master. Money is a conduit for you to bless and love people and do things for the kingdom. And if you're not in the practice of saying, Lord, this is yours, I'm going to give it away. Now, take care of you and yourself. Like, I'm not saying, like, go be homeless and live and, you know, just give everything away. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, look for how you can be generous. Start now. Because you're going to wind up in 10 years chasing the mighty dollar, if it's still around, I mean, it could be cryptocurrency then. You're going to be chasing something, right? But if you start now to give it away, you won't give it a chance to own your heart and to own your mind. And I'm going to end with this. So what do we do now? Okay, I've given you a lot of stuff. We've laughed. We've giggled. We've made some friendships. Here's two things that we need to do, okay, to walk out of here. One, I'm going to ask the band to come up and, and lead us in a time of response, I guess. One, some of you, y'all need to repent tonight and put on the new shirt. Bull this all down. Some of you, y'all living in sin, you need to repent and put on the new shirt. So during this time of response, get real with Jesus and let him get real with you. And say, God, I'm sorry, we need to fix this. And the other type of person in here, some of y'all just plain need Jesus. You don't have a new life. You're trying to find a new life. You don't know the gospel. You've never embraced the good news. Jesus loves you, and if you repent of your sin and believe in him, he will give you a new life, a new family, a new future, a new hope, new joy. Jesus will change everything. 
All you have to do is repent and believe. And I wonder if there's some of us in here tonight, you're like, man, Pastor Ben, I want that new life. And I've been trying so hard and so long, and I feel guilty, I feel down, I feel this, I feel that. My question to you is, have you trusted Jesus? And this is what I'm about to do. I'm going to walk you through what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to lead us in a time of, of prayer. And if you respond by saying, I want to follow Jesus, and I need to be saved, I need this new life, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to walk to the back and find somewhere to stand. I'll be in the hallway towards the bathroom. That's where I'll be. And I'm going to ask you to get out of your little seat while we sing and walk back there. And I will meet you and I will talk to you. My mic will be off. Don't worry. It's not going to be awkward or weird. But I want to walk you through what it means to follow Jesus. Because here's my belief. Some of us tonight, we need new life. And you know you don't have Jesus. He doesn't have your mind. He doesn't have your heart. He doesn't have your actions. You know you need Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. I'm going to walk you through what's next. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for this ministry, for Pastor Logan and how he's doing such a great job in leading this. But Lord, you have brought us to this place, to this moment, to inspire us to follow what you've commanded us. And Lord, we know that there's two commands that we see tonight that those who belong to you, they need to put to death the sinful things. And they, need to, they need to put on the new shirt, the new life. And so Jesus, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit right now, you would convict those who need to repent of their sin and put on the new shirt. Those who know you, they know you, they follow you, but Lord, they're just stuck in sin right now. I pray for that couple, for that person, Lord, that you would just convict them and that they would repent now. And we know that if we ask for forgiveness and turn away from our sins, that you will forgive us. Lord, I pray that a relationship would be restored with you tonight. And then, Lord, I also pray for that person who's been listening. Maybe they've been coming for a few weeks to revive. Maybe they've been here for a couple years. And tonight they say, you know what? I need to follow Jesus because in him is salvation. In him is forgiveness. In him is new life. And if there's someone in here that says, that's me tonight, I want you to listen to me right now. What saves you is belief in Jesus and repenting of your sin. You can't save yourself. No good prayer is going to save you. It's believing in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the King of your life, and that God raised Him from the grave. That in Jesus is forgiveness of sins, and in Jesus is eternal life. And so if you want to meet Jesus tonight, all you have to do say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner, and I need someone to forgive me. I can't forgive myself. I can't make new life for myself. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? I turn away from them, and I follow you. Would you be my Lord and Savior? If that's you tonight, and you pray, when we stand to worship, just come to the back and meet me. Let's start taking those next steps of putting on the new life that you now have in Jesus. God, would you move here in this moment and in this time?
May this be a time of salvation and repentance. And may we put on the new self that Jesus has given us new life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't y'all stand and sing?